Okay, this is going to sound hilarious, but when I think of people homebrewing, like in their house, I think of them doing it in a closet. Why? I don't know. <laughs> like oh, that they have God. that they have beer barrels of like that they're making beer. I don't know the I don't know how to do it, okay? But I think of it in their bedroom closet that they have it open because the stuff is so big and they have it all just sitting in their closet and it's like it's like um science or chemistry class and that's what you hear constantly because it's brewing but i it's like it's like big vats of stuff in their closet i don't know why i think that how yeah taking home brewing literally i i love how you said i know nothing about this and we knew that because you freaking thought the people brew beer in closet welcome to the rom-com rewind podcast hi i'm sarah and i'm devin and like you i love rewatching movies over and over again you are here, you found us, you made it to us. You, educated guests, love romantic comedies, which is great news because we do as well. So this is a show where we re-watch rom-coms, break them down a bit for you, maybe take a peek behind the curtain, dig beneath the surface, and decide, does it still hold up? Today we have Keeping, Keeping Up with, with the, the Joneses. Joneses. And wherever you're listening, make sure you throw us a follow. As well, if you want to reach out about anything on the pod, you want to become a part of the RCR fam, you can simply do that by following us on Instagram, at Rom-Com Rewind. In fact, we're hoping to um, to hit a certain goal on our Instagram account before the end of the year. So if you throw us a follow, that would be very helpful for that. Also, it could get you in to the Rom-Com Rewind Presents the Battle of Rom-Competence. Woohoo! Which you will hear later on in the show. Uh, first, though, keeping up with the Joneses is the story of Jeff and Karen Gaffney, played by Zach Galifianakis and Isla Fisher. The Gaffneys live in a, a quaint cul-de-sac um, somewhere. I don't even know where in the U.S. this is based. I mean, in reality, it's based in, like, the it's actual filmed. filmed in Atlanta. But Okay, Georgia. Um, there we go. Yeah. Um, they live in a quaint little cul-de-sac filmed in Georgia. However, their mundane <laughs> lives are twisted upside down with the arrival of neighbors, the Joneses, Tim and Natalie Jones. They're seemingly perfect individuals, played by John Hamm and Gal Gadot. They excel at seemingly everything. They have unique and wonderful lives, and they're kind of the talk of the neighborhood when they arrive, but not all is what it appears to be with the Joneses. This is kind of like a, a spy action rom-com thriller, I guess. Yeah, something in, like that. In that vein. What, what are your thoughts on uh, keeping up with the Joneses? New neighbors aren't wasting any time moving in, are they? Hey, honey! Still spying on the neighbors? Hi. We're the Joneses. Such a lovely street. The Chinese don't even have a word for a street like this. They would say, It sounds cool coming out of your mouth. You don't think there's something off about them? They're both so overly accomplished and stylish. Welcome to the Cobra Club. A little different than you expected, huh? That looks like a real snake. Snake one, that's real Cobra. Do you have tab? Okay, so I'm like a 50-50 on this one because I love the cast. Okay. Love me an Isla Fisher, John Hamm, Gal Gadot, Zach Galifianakis, he's funny. But I don't necessarily like how all the characters were um, conceived and how they were, how they ultimately, I guess, portrayed themselves. Okay. Um. Some of them I found. You're really, we have political talk, Sarah, here. She's really trying to dance around what she actually wants to say. The character of Jeff, played by Zach Galifianakis, I'm just going to come out, was so annoying. Okay, there you go. I like, I draw the conclusion of 
that Zach Galifianakis's character in this Jeff is more annoying than Katherine Heigl's character in the movie Killers, which is oh, very similar. She was they annoying. They have a very similar yeah. premise. Very annoying. But Katherine Heigl was not as annoying as Jeff in this movie because, oh my God, I just wanted to shake him and say, everything's going to be okay. <laughs> Buck up, you know? <laughs> like, oh my God. Interesting. But I liked the, pre- like, these movies are entertaining. They're done for pure entertainment, easy watches. You could put it on, you know, you could put it on, get a few laughs. It's a fun, easy movie that you can put on for the whole family. Okay. It's right. a good formula. Uh, I, I can vibe. I, I'm, I'm picking up what you're laying down. I think I agree with that. This film is definitely more fun than I thought it was going to be after the first 15 minutes. Because <laughs> you wait into this film, you're kind of like, what am I getting myself into? Isla Fisher, Zach Galifianakis, interesting characters. Um, this is going to be a weird uh, thing. But I think this film is saved not by those two main characters or no. actors. No. Entirely. <laughs> entirely. The two supporting characters. Yeah. I think they carried the film by a mile. John Hamm and Gal Gadot put this thing on their backs. They're so good in this film. They are. They're so dynamic. Isla Fisher, I just love her, but like her and Zach are kind of just schmucks. Well, the whole thing. They are schmucks and they're almost chaotic, nervous energy. And and they tee up Isla Fisher's character Karen to at times be very like ooh she she gets the spy yes, stuff and totally then, but but then I feel like there's no follow through because the yeah. next scene she's back to being a schmuck again and I'm like ah oh, I thought there was some <laughs> character development happening with Karen here she could be a spy and then she's an idiot once again and I'm like oh well, there's no payoff then but but I think John and Gal are just electric they yes the thing is they <laughs> sorry you like that eh? I'm like running through my mind of what the movie could have been called like trailer with schmucks oh yeah instead of like keeping up with the joneses like you know <laughs> maybe what's that movie that zach was in dinner with schmucks is that that's why i thought of it i'm like he's a schmuck in this too isn't oh, he God. um yeah john and gal are electric they feel every bit of their characters though if, they do if that yes. makes sense like interesting fascinating there is an allure to them which i feel like just watching john in other roles and watching gal in other roles i'm like yeah they kind of are that and in fact i'm i'm racking my brain who else could play that role like that gal does i mean angelina jolie Mm, uh, you're bringing in the Mr. smith thing like totally it's got like an essence of it and you'll find out more in the quick facts but like you know the essence of all of that there yeah, and I think about like Anna de Armas, who we saw in that new rom com with Chris Evans. Ghosted. But still, like there are very few people who I think like could swap into the Gal Gadot role, and I'd be like, "Oh yes, you're nailing it." Same with John Hamm. There are a few more with John Hamm, but it's still a short list. Whereas Zach, I do find with with comedic actors like him, there's a best before date on that kind of comedy. Is that rude to say? There's a best before date. The oh, Hangover God. came out in 09. We were obsessed with Between Two Ferns with Zach Galifianakis. I never saw that. Oh, Between Two Ferns? No. Well, it was like a YouTube series. Oh, then, no, I didn't. Oh, no. my God, Sarah, they're hilarious. Oh. They're awkward and uncomfortable, and I actually think they're still happening. Really? Yeah. Oh, well, then I'll Dude, have to check them out. They're great. But, like, this film came out in 2016, so we'd we'd had, like, seven, eight years with Zach. And I feel like when this came out, we were like, that might be enough, Zach. Just just keep doing the between the two friends thing. That's great. But like the, this was this was maybe after the expiry date. Um, no offense to Zach. It's just too much Zach after a certain point. Uh, let's dive in, though. So one thing about this movie, 
I forgot to say this in my overall thoughts, but I also couldn't throughout the movie remember the characters' names, okay. like Jeff and Karen, and then Natalie and Tim. So yeah. Natalie and Tim are played by Gal Gadot and John Hamm, and then, you know, whatever. And I just, like, for some reason, kept on having to, like, deeply think about who who they were. So Jeff and Karen, I'm hoping I don't get those mixed up throughout this, but they're a seemingly very normal couple. Uh As you mentioned, a little bit of schmucky. They see their kids off to uh, summer camp for the whole summer. So they are solo dolo. Can we, can we talk about that real, real quick? Because we are new parents Mm -hmm. and the first scene we see of Jeff and Karen is that they're like running after the bus and like all the parents are like, oh, like, honey, we packed you the so-and-so and make sure you're nice to so-and-so. Do all parents do that? I think so. Okay. I've been doing a quiet poll among people I've met <laughs> who are, who have kids a little bit older than ours. Like it's a quiet poll. Because our son is still like just going into daycare. Um, about if it's normal to follow the bus on the first day of school. Oh, my parents followed the bus on the first day of school. A lot of people yeah. follow the, and, and mm-hmm. As non-parent Devin would be like, that's so embarrassing. You are ridiculous. And now that I have a child, I'm like, <laughs> one of us might actually follow the bus to school. Just just to make sure everything's good. Just they're getting off the bus. It's a little hectic. First day of school. So if you're a parent listening and you also followed your kids' yeah. bus to school. So I had. A, I, I just want to know. I had a friend who did that this year. Their child was just going to school. Okay, yeah. And they were nervous that they were going to get lost once they got off the bus. To which I actually know somebody else's child. This this person didn't. Their child did not get lost. But the another person I know, their child did get lost. Oh, they didn't no. know where to go after they got off the bus. Oh, okay, you th- this is this is one of those things. I mean, they were eventually found, don't worry. This is one of those things where parents are already nervous and everybody <laughs> has that it happened to a friend of a friend of mine's yes. story where you're yeah. like, "Yeah, you should be nervous because there's like a 1 in 600,000 <laughs> chance that they could get lost." It happened to a friend of a friend of and mine. And it's just like which building I think they were going into, but then they figured it out and somebody Oh, they're lost in the same school? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, like they're not that lost then. Well, I... it was outside. They, they didn't know what door to go into, right? Like it's a big big new place. Cuz I was talking to somebody who's like they use the same buses for like another school that just starts later so if your kid just doesn't realize oh i've gone on the wrong bus before yeah they, mm-hmm. they could get they could end up at the wrong freaking school man oh, yeah yeah and then you you realize it after and you're like oh i don't think i'm supposed to be on here but it's too late you know it's too late we need to do a totally non-judgmental parent poll <laughs> if you have followed your kid's bus to school i just it's no judgment zone i just want to know the stats yeah i i think we should do that for sure um, so that's how we meet Jeff and Karen Gaffney. Right. And so they get home after dropping off their kids and the house is in a perfect cul-de-sac and they, okay, before that though, they get home and they see their two neighbors. One of them is a real estate agent and a house in their perfect cul-de-sac has sold. And the person who bought it paid cash and they haven't even seen the, the house and they're going to be moving in soon. So the neighbors joke that they're probably going to go home and do it because they have no children in the house anymore because they're gone for the summer. We see this like montage of like them doing all this crazy stuff in their home, uh, popping champagne, lighting their house on fire with candles because they're doing it in front of the fire and all this stuff. When in reality, they're just going to go and make popcorn and sit and watch TV. Yeah. <laughs> So it turns out that Jeff, he is, he works at an aerospace place, an aerospace, um, I don't know, really high tech technology. Um, they don't really ever explain where he works. 
Yeah, it's like um, the, the it's, it's a high tech aerospace engineering building. Yeah, it's kind of what we gather. Hundred percent. And he is the HR person, and everyone he works, everyone in the cul-de-sac, it seems, or a lot of people in the cul-de-sac work at this MBI place as well. We find out that Karen is a, a home designer, so an interior designer, and she is working on a urinal for their neighbors. That doesn't really ever bloom. It's just like an ongoing joke throughout the entire movie. It doesn't yeah, like really go urinal anywhere. jokes here and there. Yeah, which like I think were supposed to be funnier, but they weren't. They see the new neighbors come home after, and they, as you mentioned, Devin, are gorgeous, perfect people, Tim and Natalie Jones. And when Jeff gets home, Karen is sitting there in their living room with the new neighbors. Jeff makes a stupid joke by saying, I'm picking up a slight accent. Oh, no, please. It sounds interesting. (laughs) I'm picking up a a slight accent. Is that Pittsburgh, maybe? She's from Greece. (laughs) (laughs) No, but we've lived all over. And now it's finally time to plant some roots. Like, I'm sorry. Ridiculous. Anyway, Long story short, Jeff and Karen receive a sculpture from Tim and Natalie, and it is a hand-blown sculpture by Tim. He's very proud of it. Okay, um, this film already teed up. It's a spy action thing. Yeah, espionage. As soon as you get handed a thing from the charming, <laughs> eloquent, couple. perfect new couple, I'm like, that's a freaking listening device. Like, this isn't even, I feel like they could have been way more subtle with it. But I think that was the point, right? It's so it's supposed obvious. supposed to be obvious. Because that's how schmucky they are. <laughs> yeah. I they guess, wouldn't I guess. they wouldn't think that it would be anything but a nice gesture in their perfect cul-de-sac, right? Like they're supposed to be super gullible. But as we go on, Karen starts to get suspicious of our new neighbors, the Joneses. Yes, they, she thinks that they're too perfect. Jeff invites them to their summer get-together, June Toberfest. And he also mentions that a lot of us in the cul-de-sac work together. And Tim goes, oh yeah, over at BMI. And this is their first slip up because Karen catches this. And this is, as you mentioned, when she starts to try to figure out who exactly they are. Can I ask a very quick question? Uh, Jeff is very much into homebrew beer. Oh my God, yeah. Have we, as a Western society, have we reached the apex of when it was cool to be into craft beer and now it's on the way down? Because I feel like I feel like when this movie came out, 2016, we were obsessed with craft beer. Oh man, I'm gonna go to this this new beer garden that opened up and I'm gonna try this and that. And now I feel like it's it's kinda like the hipster movement where he said he's into homebrew, and I'm like, oh God, that's so annoying and obnoxious. And- okay, this is gonna sound hilarious, but when I think of people homebrewing, like in their house, I think of them doing it in the closet. Why? I don't know. <laughs> like oh, that they have God. that they have beer barrels of like that they're making beer. I don't know the I don't know how to do it, okay? But I think of it in their bedroom closet that they have it open because the stuff is so big and they have it all just sitting in their closet and it's like it's like um science or chemistry class and that's what you hear constantly because it's brewing. But I it's like it's like Big vats of stuff in their closet. I don't know why I think that. How? Yeah. I, they're, I, they're taking home brewing, literally. I, I love how you said, <laughs> I know nothing about this. And we knew that because you freaking thought the people brew beer in closets. Yeah. How big is this closet you're picturing? I don't know. Are you picturing him in there like just a tiny yeah, like, closet? Yeah, like two like these... bare oil barrels, but they're food grade, you know? I've thought this through. and You, you clearly haven't. <laughs> I know. Well, like I said, I don't actually know. <laughs> know the inner workings of home brewing but that is what i think 
You know, that's what that's what I see when I hear somebody home brews. That is so fascinating. <laughs> I, by the way, love craft breweries. Just want to say yes, that. But like, I, I also like have the, been to many breweries. Yeah. So I know how it's there. Is that how it would be at home? But it's just smaller versions. Of that. That's what I mean. The the big like oil barrel food grade barrels at home in their closet oil barrels because that's what i'm trying like that's what i'm trying to get a mental picture but it's food grade you know like you can do stuff in them that you can eat out of or like drink out of oh my god okay (laughs) you're really on the closet thing um (laughs) what else can you do in a closet like how many (laughs) (laughs) it'd probably be really good for growing pot plants i a closet if you, and then you have you like have and then like you have the like lights, lights on in there, top. run it, run them through. You know, wow. I don't know. Okay, moving on. It's the June Tober Fest, and Natalie shoots perfect darts at this party. And Karen again, very suspicious because it's just too perfect. Tim is found upstairs searching the rooms again. Karen is just on to them, and Natalie is asking a lot of questions. It turns out we finally understand they are not a normal couple and have broken into BMI that night and Jeff's office. And Natalie sees them. See, Natalie sees them coming home. No, Karen sees them coming home. I told you. Natalie and Karen, two easy names to interchange. Are you being serious? Yeah, no, seriously. Oh, okay. I actually wrote down the wrong name at one point while I was doing my notes. So I'm I'm not making fun. Yeah. Anyway, Karen does see the couple come home with briefcases and whatnot, and she assumes definitely something is up. The next day, Tim now clearly thinks Jeff is a villain because he broke into his office at home. He broke into BMI, into his office, and needs to get close to him. So he meets him at the homebrew place. This is where the homebrew place comes in. And Karen follows Natalie in um, their old school minivan and sees Natalie make a drop of switching books and continues to follow her all the way to... A lingerie store. A lingerie store, yeah, eventually. Mm, Here we go. All the while, Jeff and Tim go to an authentic Chinese food restaurant and then they go into the back of that and it's a snake restaurant. And I literally have in my notes, Jeff is so bland. In big capital letters. Jeff is... So bland. Yeah, he is. He just hasn't had many experiences. Look at all these little ethnic condiments. So cool. That is soy sauce. Soy sauce. Try this. Mm. Okay. Mmm. Wow, that's good. What is that? That looks like a snake. Cheju, man, snake one. That's real cobra. However, with that being said, this is my best scene. Because I think the atmosphere in this scene is hilarious. Everybody wants Jeff to like just go along with it, but he's so freaked out by these snakes being beheaded. And then he gets bit by the snake and has to get this antidote in his bloodstream. And just Tim is just way too cool. The guy who owns the snake restaurant is just dying of laughter. Played by uh, Bobby Lee, who so like, funny. is a great side character in and of itself. And it's just like the most poisonous snake in the world. And of course, Jeff gets bit. Like, talk about having so many experiences in a matter of, like, one dinner sitting or one lunch sitting. And it it is interesting because Tim is clearly trying to pry some knowledge out of Jeff. Totally. He got him drunk off some snake wine, I think it is. Yeah, yeah. And so Tim's asking all these questions, like, as an HR person, you know, people must tell you things. And Jeff's like, yeah, like, so-and-so farts a lot in the washroom and people (laughs) have issues with that. And that's kind of what he ends up divulging. But I... Here's the thing, watching this film, and fun fact, RCR fam, we actually have an HR professional in our midst. (laughs) That's Sarah's background of work. Yes, it is. 
Do you feel like HR is one of the most misunderstood jobs? Like, I, I watch this film and things that Jeff does, and I'm like, I don't think Sarah does any of that in her yeah. job. Yeah, like, um, there's many facets to HR. It's not just, like, hire and fire. And the way that Jeff's job is portrayed in this movie is really, really funny to me because he does nothing except try to mediate with two employees by giving them stress balls and saying everything and good pat on the back saying everything's going to be okay. We have not a single stress ball in our home <laughs> right now, ladies and gentlemen. So I it's don't know how so often those are used. Okay. I have for you from Reddit, some crazy HR stories. Oh, I love stories from Reddit. <laughs> me too. They're always hilarious to read. Okay. So I thought I'd share a few. This person says, one place I used to work, one of the upper management guys who was in charge of the warehouse would hop on the forklifts and do donuts. He had colon cancer and was always having surgeries to remove another section of his colon. So he had a clost uh, clostomy bag. He would like squeeze air out of his clostomy bag while he was doing donuts on the forklifts. It would waft this god awful stench everywhere. Everyone thought it was hilarious and would immediately run outside for a smoke break until the scent dissipated the Guys. smell was bad enough it made a co-worker puke stop there's so <laughs> many pieces of this story I know. <laughs> like <laughs> it's awful that he has colon cancer but <laughs> don't do that I, I need you to we need sarah to hr manage some of these moments because so so what do you think is worse the fact that he's Clearly, that that is dangerous. That is heavy machinery. Well, that's, that's the problem. And a manager. No, no, no. That's that's the problem. That's the problem. Yeah, he's like, I'm gonna friggin' do donuts in this forklift, and then it just happens that he yeah. also has this weird condition. That yes, like it's like it's like this God. person, um, made the donutting stop. Right? Like, that's why there's no more donutting at this establishment. The, it's the, dangerous to begin with, but it was like, they, the HR used this as an excuse to have everything stop. Yeah. The, and then there's the side story of the other stuff going on <laughs> yeah, while the exactly. donuts are taking place. Exactly. That's, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. This next one is, we had someone, we had some woman trying to avoid going to work by sitting out in her car in the parking lot. While she was hiding out there, she needed to use the restroom. Well, instead of going back inside or literally doing anything else, she decides to pee out her car window. <laughs> Even though I am... She, wait, 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 wait. Just, just, yeah. Okay, okay, keep going. Even though I am also a woman, I was impressed and disgusted by the physics behind this feat. Yeah. She had stuck her bare ass out the window and just went for it. Unbeknownst to her, her male coworker had arrived at work late due to an appointment. No. He drove past... To find a parking spot as he as this was happening and got full view. No. He then reported the incident to us. One of our HR people had to investigate this, and sure enough, parking lot cameras would corroborate oh. his story. Our HR person confronted the woman. Her response, well, how did you know it was me? It could have been anyone. We thought, okay, fair enough. The cameras aren't, you know, this amazing grade zoom. So we only saw the butt part. It was harder to completely identify the face. So we went back to the male peer and asked how he knew it was her. His response, oh, it was definitely her. The face tattoos are pretty recognizable. We definitely don't get paid enough for this. I have so many questions about this. First off, um, and, and please, HR person Sarah, chime oh in God. here with your thoughts. But right off the top, we have somebody who's like, I don't want to work, so I'm going to chill in my car? Like, what, what was that off the top? Yeah, I mean, that's that's the first issue. The second issue is like, 
she was all pissed because she got caught. Well, you're still on work property. So of course you're good. Like you're still on work property. Cause I, I would assume she's like, well, I can do what I want on my own time. Yeah, you can off of work property. Can, can we also role <laughs> play real quick? We're going to role play. HR person Sarah's here. Okay. Yeah. You're having a normal day at work. Yeah. All right. Devin <laughs> comes, knocks on your door. Um, hey Sarah, how, how's your day going? Good. You good. Uh, just saw something in the parking lot. All right. Would love to get your thoughts on it. Okay, shoot. Um, Stacy mm-hmm. was pissing out her car window. Great. Asked, that's what you would say. That would be your first reaction. No, I Great. probably wouldn't say that. I'd be love like, that. But I'd be like, okay, <laughs> tell me more. Like, I'm just wondering how that conversation went down. If I was that guy, I would need like, I'd probably need a cigarette just to be like, what the F do I say oh, to these people? Like, God. this needs to be addressed. But how do I say like, I just saw a woman pissing out her window like full ass hanging out the window. I mean, it's easier for the person who saw it than the person who actually has to deal with talking to that person. <laughs> like you're just telling her what you saw. Whereas that other person has to like go and actually confront the person who's probably <laughs> going to be combative. At the window of your car. Yeah. Were you in our parking lot? Yeah. No, that wasn't me. There's well, video evidence, like, actually. we literally have you like on Zip camera. Yeah. She's got face tattoos. Yeah, a little recognizable. (laughs) This next one, I had one employee submit a form to increase her own salary. She also forged her manager's signature. Something was up when it was her who delivered the pay raise. Oh, my God. That (laughs) is... You are not a good criminal. I actually that's, like this that's is not hilarious. catch me if you can. You're not forging anything very well. That's really funny. This next one, I saw a guy blatantly lie in his recruitment form, watching him fill it out in front of me. It was this is obviously from the UK. It was total bollocks. Apparently, he was 15th in line to the throne. Went to Eton, studied at Oxford, and served in the army for nine years. After training at Sandhurst, not bad for a 21-year-old. Oh, my God. Who had, in fact, spent three years in a young offenders institute battling a drug problem. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. I mean, at least make the lies believable. <laughs> right? Like 15th in line to the throne. <laughs> that one right there. Yeah. That's something you could just Google. <laughs> like, <that's laughs> yeah, yeah. Also, who puts that on their resume? <laughs> like, you can very easily find that out. <laughs> I'm going to add that to mine. <laughs> This next one, last week an employee asked me if they can get reimbursed for their health benefits last month since they didn't use any of them. <laughs> you can't. You can't. Oh, okay, no, okay. you can't. Oh, because they didn't use them. See, that's <laughs> HR Sarah thought that was hilarious. I did. It took me a full like five seconds. I there did. To I thought it that out. was hilarious. <laughs> Give me back the, the money. <laughs> I didn't use any. Yeah. Well, that's not how that works. Okay, this last one. I did a promotion termination a few weeks ago, and as the employee was leaving after the meeting in the seconds before they returned their phone, laptop, and proving they had planned this all along, sent an email to the whole department insulting all of the managers, but the best part was the, P.S., your dog is ugly. Like, don't bring the dog into it. Luckily, no one took it personally, but the employee then tried to appeal the termination. Not sure how they thought that would go after the email. People never cease to amaze. Like, whose dog? Oh, it, it just said like name your dog is oh, ugly. Yeah. Hey Jeff, your dog's exactly. Wow, that's yeah. <laughs> how annoying must that dog be for I the know. person to be like my last wish on the way out of here <laughs> is that I hate your dog and I just oh, want you to know about God. it. <laughs> like So Jeff does none of that. 
in his no. HR role. No, he's he basically just watching engineers argue with well, each other. Yeah, and we also find out that everyone, he's the only person in the whole plant or like the fact, like the area um, that has internet. So everyone uses him to like check their fantasy football, to call their relatives overseas, to order their prescription medication, all of these things. And so we begin to see why... Natalie and Tim might be thinking he's the bad guy or he may know something more than what he's saying. Because people have been using his laptop to actually do something illegal, we find out soon. So Jeff gets home after his mandate with Tim and Karen is still... Uh, or I guess Karen is there in a robe and tries to spice things up, which works. But they're making out and Jeff accidentally kicks the conversation sculpture off of the table. Hold on. You did kind of gloss over the Natalie and Karen moment in the lingerie store. Oh, yeah, because I was like, like, why are you adding this to the movie? For for me. For for guys. That that was for dudes right there. We're like, oh, my God, Gal Gadot is gorgeous. (laughs) Yes, that's a good point. The sexual energy in that scene was just. (laughs) I was just leaving Tim a voicemail. Oh, he likes to hear from me when I'm trying on lingerie. Yeah, it's one of our things. Keeps the spark alive. Dan, Jeff, everything. How could you gloss over that? Anyway, keep going. Um, yeah, yeah. They knock over this the sculpture and, and they Karen find, finds out that it's bugged. Yes, it's bugged with a hearing device or listening device, I should say. And Jeff is just honestly, he's like, what? They wouldn't do that. Oh, my God. They're our friends. Like, dude, get get on board here. Like, Karen is all about this spy stuff. She should have really. What? Oh, I know what the, my my what should have been. Did you been. just find out your what should have been right? Now? Yep. Yep, yep, yep. And I think it would have been really good. Okay. So Karen and Jeff break into Tim and Natalie's house via the garage and search everything. They find their spy gear and they also find a certain staff list of who they're targeting. And Jeff is on this list. He freaks out and needs to write the names down, which like they're they're your coworkers. You can remember six names. (laughs) You don't need to write them down. But instead grabs a pen that is a shooting dart pen and accidentally shoots his wife She's like, I'm sorry, you're very incompetent. She ends up passing out, so he has to bring her out of the house. Tim and Natalie come home at that exact time, and they end up taking some people off the list, and Natalie realizes that Tim is getting too close with Jeff. They're becoming too good of friends, and they also in this moment find out that someone has been in their house because the dart pen is dartless, and it's on the ground. The next morning, Jeff is sitting in his office at work and his neighbor and friend, Dan, who also works with him, comes in and asks to check his fantasy football league on his computer, which Jeff obviously says, yes, sure, go right ahead. And then Jeff texts him in his own office saying, Tim and Natalie are spies, telling Dan he's meeting with the security guy from the company who's calling him back and he's going to meet with him the next day. And it's like this back and forth between the two. Nothing really comes of it. Dan's like, "Okay, cool. Sounds good. Good luck. The next morning, Karen and and Jeff meet Carl, the security guy, by an old abandoned work building where he lives in his van, and they strategize about what's next. Just as Carl is about to give them all this information, he gets shot in the head by a mysterious shooter in the old building, and the Joneses show up and save Jeff and Karen. This is my best scene. This was actually a surprisingly well-done car chase. Like I I was so shocked how... Well put together it is. The the uh, Gaffneys get in the back of the Joneses' car. John Hamm's driving. He's like whipping around and doing all these moves. Gal Gadot's shooting people. And it's, it's really wild. Um, I do have something I want to talk about in a sec. But first, I want to ask you a question, Sarah. And this okay. was almost my what should have been. Ooh. Who was shooting at them? 
Oh, yeah, that's a good question. Who was it? You know what? Because we never find out. We never find out. Yes. It's never explained. And and so the whole time we thought the Joneses were the bad guys. Right, we did. Spoiler alert. Yeah. We're about to find out. They're, Maybe the good, they're the good guys. It seems like they saved yep. the Gaffneys here, so they could be the good guys. But we're never, we also find out who the bad guys are. But Eventually, it, yeah. It seems like the bad guys didn't know that there were spies around. So like, who shot? That's a good point. It's never explained as to who who are the shooters? Then again, the coworker did know. Yes, they did. He did figure it out in that meeting, and maybe could have hired somebody, but to try or, to or kill maybe them? told, maybe told this person the bad, the true bad villain. Yeah, and they sent somebody. It was just, it just wasn't explained very well. But this scene also gave me something to think about, okay. and I think it's something that you and I and the RCR fam that we can talk out right now. John Hamm driving that car. Oh, so good. I was like, man, they never cast Americans as James Bond, but I think Ooh. John Hamm could have done it. And I thought you and I, we and and you listening, we could go through the list of potentials. Potential James Bonds. And I don't care about accents because I think John Hamm could have done it. And I've got a few Americans on my list. But the the conversation of who will be James Bond has been just wild yeah the last like for the four i was gonna years. say for the last quite it's a while a like while. daniel craig has announced that he's leaving and they still haven't figured out somebody and there's been rumors in the last couple months that they're gonna announce it soon oh really yes mm. so first on my list we just talked about him john ham what i love about him oh he would be good we've seen him in mad men so we yeah. know he can rock a suit we, suave we know he the can suave. be suave exactly he also played a a heist criminal in baby driver oh yeah so we kind of we've seen him shoot a machine gun you know, I, I've, I've seen him doing a few of the things. Okay? He looks good in a suit. Looks great in a suit. Another guy who looks great in a suit. I'm going to put another American, Michael B. Jordan, on the list. Oh, he would be good. Looks great in a suit. He also played like a tortured hero in Creed. So we've seen him, right. we've seen him as the bad guy a few times, but we've also seen him as the good guy. Yeah, I like that a lot. Idris Elba was talked about oh, for so long. I think he would be the perfect James Bond. And the conversation now is they've let it go too long. He might just be too old. See, He's 51. I don't think... He, for me, would be a too old James Bond. Okay. I still, like, he's super attractive, and I think he would still do a really good job as James Bond. But think about it, Sarah. They're, like, whoever they get, they're, like, you're signing on for, like, four movies. For, yeah, three it's or four 10 movies. years, so That's he would be point. in his early 60s when he's finishing as yeah. James Bond. The theoretically. Thing, the thing with James Bond is that they're so, like... They've made so many rules for themselves. Oh, it's like, like a religion. It's like weird. James Bond needs to diversify. Yeah. And I get it. You want it to still be, you know, MI6 with, you know, Britain and, and all of the UK and all of that. And I get that. They want, you know, but I do think, yeah, maybe an American could play it or or somebody else or around the world. How about an Aussie? How about a Chris Hemsworth? Oh. I think he could do it. We know he's beautiful. He is beautiful. He's played... Um, <laughs> he is <there's> beautiful. A, <laughs> yeah, you, you can rate the attractiveness as we go, by the way. Is is he maybe too cute, though, is the only thing I'll say. Well, yeah. Like, I mean, I'm sure he looks good in a suit. Oh, absolutely. But is he too recognizable as Thor? Okay. You know, where's the hammer? Maybe they make James Bond, if it was him, use a hammer. Just so, kidding. I'm totally Yeah, kidding. that's that's so I'm stupid. Totally you just kidding. talked about how they're like a cult with I know. James Bond. I'm they would joking. never allow it. I know. Um, maybe a little Easter egg somewhere. 
Well, then, okay, so I've also got Tom Hiddleston on the list. He is actually British. Oh, he could be good. He's 42. I, like, he's charming and cunning and sharp. He's a little gangly, though. He's a little gangly. He'd have to put on some muscle. And I don't know if he, is he sexy enough? Like, is See, he, like... I think he's attractive. Okay. Um, next one. And this guy has actually been talked about a lot. He was, he might still be the front runner, is Henry Cavill. Oh, He's 40, so he's got a lot of he's got a lot of years ahead of him. He played um the man from Uncle, which I think he plays a spy there. He's also going to play a spy in an upcoming Apple Plus movie called Argyle. And he did do a good job with Oh my god, I don't know why I said He was like Sherlock that. He Holmes. Was, and he was the Witcher, so he was yes. very good in that. Um I do agree. The only thing that I'm very interested in to see and like I don't know why they do this with his films, but they don't give him a ton of speaking lines. <laughs> no, no. I mean, he's very good looking. I could look at him all day long. He's normally eye candy, yeah. Yeah, but I would like to see him in a role where he does, because he's not a bad actor. No, yeah, he's great. It's just he's very seldomly speaking. Well, especially in The Witcher, he's just brooding like 80% of the time. He's like staring. But is it because he's been in so many action-packed movies or like like, um, thriller-type action movies where he just doesn't have a lot of lines and it's like more of the like what's going on around him? I don't know, but I think that would be cool. I think that would be kind of up his alley, yeah. I like the Sherlock Holmes connection because I feel like Sherlock Holmes is just very, very old James Bond. Like it's the same kind of feel and the same kind of vibe. Um, Okay, I've got three more to hit you with. Okay. Really quick, you're going to love this one, Tom Hardy. Yeah, oh God. Fantastic in a suit, charisma, suave. I feel like he reminds me a lot of Idris Elba where they look suave, but they also feel dangerous. Like they both feel like they have an edge to them, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. No, I I like it a lot. The next one. I don't actually know how to pronounce this guy's name, but you know him. It's it's French, so I'm going to say it with a horrible accent. Reg Jean Page. Oh, yes. He was in Bridgerton. Is it Reggie? Regé? Jean Page? I have no idea. He's <laughs> 35. Um, yeah, he's British. British. He was in Bridgerton. We saw him in Dungeons and Dragons as right. well. He was, he was good in that. He was kind of like a quirky, funny character. Yeah. He had like fun comedic timing. Um, I don't know. He's in Bridgerton. You tell me. Could he be James Bond? I think he could. I think my... My desire for the next James Bond is something they haven't done or gone with before. Yeah. Like it's time to, you know, make it a little different, shake things up. Give it a fresh yeah. perspective and a fresh look. Yeah, absolutely. Diversify. Uh, um, I'm also going to throw Aaron Taylor Johnson out into the mix very quick. He's 33. So once again, a lot of runway for him. He played an assassin in Bullet Train, wore a wicked suit in that. Kind of has like an odd vibe to him though, uh, which I think could work though. He's got like very striking figures. Anyway, fit features. Uh, anyway, the point is, I think John Hamm could do it, but they'd never hire an American. After the car chase and beating up the bad guys, they go for breakfast in a diner in as as if nothing happened. Which like Jeff is totally freaking out, but Karen is totally into it. They tell Natalie and. Uh, Tim that they deserve to know the truth so they start asking questions and of course they can barely answer any of them they just work for an agency we don't really know what agency that is but yeah we find out that someone has been using Jeff's computer to pass on information that would harm the U.S. and commit treason once home they tell Jeff and Karen to do everything normally but once Karen and Jeff get home in their house Tim and Natalie's house blows up boom they're gone. The Joneses are out of here. They're, yeah, they're gone. Karen and Jeff realize that they have to make a run for it now, and Natalie and Tim are dead, so they have to 
you know, pack their go bags really quickly, very chaotically, including bringing onions, ketchup, and a meat tenderizer. It was almost my best scene because oh it does God. start out with the practical, like, we need our passports. And then all of a sudden it's like grabbing onions. And do you know what you actually need for a grab and go bag? You know, you're going to tell me. And somehow I, you know, you would know what to bring. Uh, well, I Googled it, so that's why I know. Actually, from our from our friends in British Columbia, the province oh, of British Columbia, yeah. has a very... It was the first thing that popped up on Google. Um, oh, my God. Non-perishable food, minimum three days. Okay. Uh, likely you want a week supply. Oh, oh, something a lot of people don't think of. You want a can opener, baby. Oh, yeah, that's smart. Don't pack a bunch of non-perishable food and no can opener. For sure. Um, Genius. Phone charger, power bank, battery-powered <laughs> uh, radio. Battery-powered flashlight, extra batteries, oh, toiletries. This is like an apocalyptic bag, too. They do say four, four liters of water per person per day. That's which, heavy. That would be heavy. so much water, yeah, guys. So much. That's a crazy amount of water. That's Cat. like if you're getting your eight cups a day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, you are... You're, you are hydrated. The apocalypse happened, but you're... <laughs> don't you worry, guys. Yeah, don't worry, guys. I'm still hydrated. Everybody forgets about the water you need. Uh, whistles, sanitation bags, like toiletries and stuff like that that people forget. Ooh, cash in small bills. Good to know. Oh, and they also say, like, have a copy of your plan. So make a plan with your family. We're all going to meet Oh, we here. had one of those. D- did you guys actually up, have one? Yes, yes. I was thinking about it with our family. Once, yeah. Once our... Kids are kid is old enough. We'll have like a here's where we're going. Yep, we all uh, knew where we needed to meet if something were to happen. The Gaffneys had no idea what they were doing. They did no. not pack any water. They had onions though, and a meat and tenderizer ketchup. and ketchup. Yep. Yep. You can you you can do wonders with a good good thing of ketchup. <laughs> so then all of a sudden the lights go out and the two of them go down to turn on the fuse box and the lights come back on and it's Tim and Natalie standing by a tied up Dan and his wife. Dan is the one we find out selling secrets from MBI and they're going to torture him. He's been smuggling microchips out of the company for months and selling it to an arms dealer named the Scorpion. As they're about to torture Dan, Jeff, obviously, steps in saying he can communicate with him because he's in HR and he is a people person. Using his superpower of human resources, I will solve this mystery. Like, (laughs) so annoying. Wow, Sarah really does not like (laughs) Zach Galifianakis in this. It doesn't work. And just as he is about to, you know, I don't know, he throws an onion at him. And they got a call from the Scorpion, and Dan's code name or undercover name, we find out, is Rascal Flats. Mm-hmm. What a name. And then Rascal Flats is the ringtone, which I thought actually was quite funny that that was his, his undercover name. They have to meet the Scorpion the following night with the requested items of the microchips. This is where the game kind of changes. We can't send in Natalie and Tim because they're too suave as a couple. They're too perfect. So... Karen and Jeff will have to go undercover, obviously. Naturally, yeah. So they get to the restaurant, the two of them, all done up in like a really cute dress and a, and a, uh, a suit. They get to the restaurant. They're brought behind the restaurant to a hall full of henchmen who takes them to the scorpion. Jeff says to the scorpion after they meet, do I know you from somewhere? And Karen, like, I mean... <laughs> This woman just, is on the ball. She's like, just shut up. Shut up, Jeff. Just like, let's do this. Let's catch them. And like, let's move on with our lives. You could honestly, I think, play a drinking game in this movie. How many times it is said that Jeff is a people person. Oh, my God. That's that's how often they say it. Because in this scene, Karen says, oh, Jeff's just such a people person. And he hands the briefcase. He hands the briefcase of microchips over to the Scorpion. Scorpion tests them out. They work. Jeff 
uh, brings it up again at this point saying, I think I do know you. Denver 2010, you were at an aerospace conference that he had. And again, the scorpion just brushes it off like, dude, I don't know you. Just Played as, by Pat Oswalt. Yes, great, he's so funny. Actor. Just as they're about to leave the room with the money, the scorpion remembers him from his stupid little red stress ball that he carries around. Turns out he actually used to work for BMI and Jeff ruined ruined it all. Jeff has blown up the undercover operation again because he realizes you're the HR guy. You're not actually a, like an aerospace engineer. We also find out that the backup can't go in to save them. And Natalie and Tim are to abort the mission and leave them to be killed by the scorpion. Jeff remembers that his name is the bad guy's name is Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> Which is such a weird little quirk to throw in there. I'm like, I, know. Oh, I guess it's a funny joke. Like but maybe if he odd. like liked to sing or really liked Bruce Springsteen, like Bruce Springsteen should have been playing in the background or something funny like that. It's 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 like the um the office space joke where the guy's name is Michael Bolton and yes. everybody constantly yes. brings it up like Michael Bolton? That's me. Wow, is that your real name? Yeah. <clears throat> So are you related to that singer guy? No, it's just a coincidence. Oh. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's like a lunch bag letdown. Yeah, you know? but, but they carry that joke through the whole movie, so it's it's really <laughs> funny by the end of it. This one was kind of a one-off, and you're like, oh. Yeah, like they, Bruce Springsteen. I, like, I feel like okay. they could have done something more with it, you know, because actually that could be really funny. Yeah, there's something there where like there was a nugget of a funny joke and it kind of just ended up being like a one hit wonder. Yeah. So Tim and Natalie come in with one the henchmen. Get it? Come on. Come on. Oh. <laughs> oh, I got anyway, it. I got anyway, it. Anyway. Okay. So Tim and Natalie come in and they're actually caught by the henchmen and they're all arguing about being killed and being collateral damage. And then the scorpion says, you know, it's not going to work. Like, let's bring them to the floor so I don't lose this. Let, let's put like a plastic barrier on the floor so that he doesn't lose his security deposit because he's going to kill them all. Right. Then all of a sudden, Karen says she's been living a lie and she kisses Natalie while at the same time passing her a knife that she grabbed earlier off of a table. Of course, Jeff is a complete idiot and is all distraught saying, how could you, how long have you been living with this lie? And Karen's <laughs> like, dude, like this was to get her the knife. Yeah. Like, pay attention. Wake up. He's just a bit of a sad human. It's literally what I wrote. He's just a bit of a sad human. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm really harping on him, his character. And I don't know if it's because like that's what he does, HR. Like, And I'm just like, dude, I don't know. Be better for us. And it's also like, I mean, this is a great example of there are moments where Karen, it's like, hey, she's getting it. And then the next scene, she's like yelling like a maniac. Like, oh, my God, they're shooting at us. And it's like, but you had the forethought to get right. Natalie the knife. the knife. Like, there are times where you're really locked in here with it yeah 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 so they get away and jump out of a window into a pool and the bad guys get blown up when um <laughs> when bruce picks up the suitcase they head home all four of them and they drop i guess natalie and tim drop karen and jeff off at their house and say you know we got to go on to our next adventure it was really nice getting to know you guys thanks so much their ride shows up for tim and natalie and they say good their goodbyes Flash forward to the next summer and Karen and Jeff are at Hazim's in Marrakesh where Natalie and Tim always go. They love going there and we see Natalie and Tim and they have a baby, but it's not actually a baby because they're undercover. And of course, Jeff blows up the whole thing again. And that's the end of the movie. I have such a what should have been for how I felt this film should have ended. And I'll, I'll, that's a tease. I'll get to it in a sec. First, though. And now, it's time. 
The Rom-Com Rewind presents the Battle of rom Competence. We have Addison on the show. Hello, Addison. Hello. Okay. As always, tell us a little bit about yourself. Who are you? Where are you? Whatever you feel comfortable sharing. All right. Um, I'm Addison. I live in Chicago, and I really love rom-coms. There we go. Okay. So what, what would be your favorite rom-com? Um... Probably Barbie, if that counts. Oh, so oh, good. It does count absolutely. 100%. I was going through the um, the messages. You're in Chicago. We're here in Canada. We don't have uh-huh. When Harry Met Sally on our streaming services yet, but I saw that you asked for that one. That's a great fall watch, too. Yeah, I watched it recently. I really like it. Oh. I, have to, I have to take a look on our streaming services again, especially because it's fall now, mm-hmm. and I feel like... I, my fingers are crossed that it'll be on something. Maybe, yeah. We, yeah. We, if we can, we should do it. Absolutely. In the meantime, though, Addison, the deal with this game is that uh, we've realized that resoundingly, you know, the RCR fam, one, they love quick facts. Two, you want an opportunity to be on the show, and we want an opportunity to kind of, you know, meet you guys and to meet you, Addison, and also test maybe your love for romantic comedies. So... How this game is going to go is that I'm going to walk out of the studio. Sarah's going to ask you three questions about romantic comedies. Answer them to the best of your ability. I will come back at the end of that. She'll ask me the same three questions. And then we'll find out. We'll answer the question, are you more rom-com than Devin, Addison? (laughs) I don't want to stress you out. I'm 3-0 at this game already. Oh, my God. He's got a big head. You need to beat him, Addison. I will. Okay. All right. I'm going to leave. Good luck. Close All that right. door. All right. Are you good to go? I'm great. Okay. Ready? Perfect. First question. It's a multiple choice question. In the movie The Kissing Booth, what is Elle and Lee's favorite game? Monopoly, Dance Dance Revolution, Mario Kart, or Pac-Man? Um, Dance Dance Revolution yes. and Mario Kart. Dance Dance Revolution. Yeah. You know what? Yes. Because they do play <laughs> Mario Kart. But yes, DDR, I will take it. All right, second question. What food gives the girls food poisoning in the movie Bridesmaids? Oh, um, gonna say Chinese food. Oh, that's a really good guess. It is not Chinese food. Very good guess. Thank you. Okay, the third question is another multiple choice question. What actress plays Ryan Gosling's character's love interest in the movie Crazy Stupid Love? Amy Adams. Emma Stone, Scarlett Johansson, or Amelia Clark? I'm going to say Emma Stone. Yes, correct. Good job. Amazing. <laughs> hey, Dev. I don't know if he, Oh, there we go. Yes, You're hello. back. Oh, hi. Hi. Welcome back. Okay. Let me just put my headphones on. How did Addison do? Uh, phenomenal. Really? She did great. She got two out of three. Oh, two out of three. Mm-hmm. All right. My headphones are back on. How was that, Addison? It was... Actually, easier than I thought. I mean, <laughs> you did get two out of three, so that that's a pretty good score. Oh my god, I'm wondering if I need to make them harder. No. <laughs> well, let's see if I can if I can beat Addison here. Uh, we'll go with our first question. Are you ready to go? Please do. Let's hear it. All right. The first question is a multiple choice question. In the movie The Kissing Booth, what is L and Lee's favorite game? Monopoly. Dance Dance Revolution, Mario Kart, or Pac-Man? Dance Dance Revolution. It's like the entire premise of like the the first and second movie, right? Like that's the whole thing. Addison, did you get that? Yes. Okay. 
Here we go. All right. Question number two. What food gives the girls food poisoning in the movie Bridesmaids? Oh, is it... Five seconds. Mexican? No, but also another good guess. It is bad meat. Oh, it's just bad meat? Yeah, is all... and that's kind of what they say in the next scene when they're trying on the bridesmaid's dress. They said, oh, it was the bad meat. Oh. Yes, yes. Addison said Chinese food, which is a really good guess as well. Yeah, I was thinking like genre of restaurants. Yes, I know. Yeah. Okay, so I got the second one wrong. We're going to cruise through the last question. Here's the thing, though, Addison. If we both get two for three, there is a tiebreaker. All right. So you might you might still be called into action here. Um, okay. What, what's the third question, though? All right. The third question is, it's also a multiple choice question. Okay. What actress plays Ryan Gosling's character's love interest in Crazy Stupid Love? Amy Adams, Emma Stone. Emma Stone. Scarlett. Take it off the board. <laughs> Come on. That, Addison got that one, too, right? Uh, yes, yes, she did. Yes. So obvious. Okay. So, wait. We've both gone two for three. This has Correct. never happened before. This is not. In no. the history of the Battle Yay. of Rom Competence. Yeah. Well, we do need to figure out a winner, though, Addison. <laughs> yes, we do. So, here's how this part of the game is going to happen. Never happened before, so we're flying by the seat of our pants. So, basically, we need an answer that neither of us know, but that it's kind of like a closer to situation. So what Sarah's going to do, she's going to pick a random romantic comedy. Yes. She's going to look up the box office gross for that movie. Yep. And at the same time, Addison, right. you and I are going to guess how much money we think that movie made at the box office. I'll write it down so Sarah knows I'm not cheating. Yeah. And then Addison will say her number first, mm -hmm. and then I'll show Sarah my number. Okay. Does that work? All right. Okay, here so, we go. So don't look it up, but <laughs> the rom-com, so you have to tell me the box office amount that they made for the movie Drive Me Crazy with Melissa Joan Hart. Oh. It's from the early 2000s, late 1990s. All right. Um. Okay, I've got a number. Uh, yeah, okay, I've got... Um, go ahead, Addison. All right, um... I think this is incorrect, but I'm going to say four million. Okay, that that is a good guess for it. Devin, Sorry, what was the guess? I took four my, mil. Four mil. Okay. Four million. Uh, I'm going to say. Oh, I said fifty-eight mil. Okay, you said fifty-eight. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh no, who's closer? Addison, you are closer. Oh my god. Well, actually, oh my god. Hold on. Yes, I think you Sarah's said four mil. Math, here. math. I can't do math, Addison. What's the actual uh, amount? The actual amount is twenty-two point six million. Yes, so she is yes. closer. Yeah, for sure she's closer. Hallelujah. <laughs> I can do some math sometimes. Yes, Addison, you won. She's the first winner Yay. for the Raw. You are the very first winner of the Battle of Wrong Competence. Congratulations. So <laughs> oh my God. Amazing. Hey, thank you so much for joining us. Of course. Thank you for having me. I'm a little upset that you broke my record of undefeatedness, <laughs> I'm, I'm but whatever. For you. <laughs> Hey, it was a pleasure meeting you, Addison. Thanks for being on the show. You too. Of All right. See ya. Bye, Addison. Bye. Quick facts. 
Scriptwriter Michael Lussier was intrigued by husband and wife super spies, such as those depicted in films like Mr. and Mrs. Smith from 2005, and by a married duo he envisioned living across the street from such a stealthy couple. He said, I kept wondering what this average husband and wife would think about all the craziness going on in the spy's house. There's a whole other movie going on from the neighbor's perspective. I started thinking about that and combining it with some aspect of the lives of my friends living on their beloved cul-de-sac. A neighborhood in northwest Atlanta in the U.S. was home to the cul-de-sac, to which the production added a large center island to break up the large expanse of road. It's a larger-than-average cul-de-sac, so we added an island made of steel and wood covered in grass and bushes, said the art director Jeremy Wolseley. This movie was originally envisioned as a sequel to Mr. and Mrs. Smith after that film's TV series continuation plot failed to be picked up. However, the idea was scrapped when Brad and Angelina turned down the offer with both stars feeling the original idea was not good enough. I don't know if that's true or not, but that is not like this movie is nothing like Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Well, and it sounded like there was a Mr. and Mrs. Smith uh, TV show spinoff, I think, hmm. maybe in the works. That would have been cool. That, that would have been interesting. Mm-hmm. TV series spinoffs don't always have the same <laughs> level of production value, I would say. Fair so enough. Maybe it's good that that didn't happen. <laughs> According to Isla Fisher, Jim Carrey was originally cast as Jeff, but ended up dropping out. I can't. He would definitely give it a much it. different Take. twist. Yes. Yeah. Than the comedy Zach. would have been different. Totally. Funnily enough, Jeff asks, there are no words in Chinese for cul-de-sac. Cul-de-sac itself is a French word, literally meaning bottom of a bag, meaning no exit. So he could have asked, there are no English words for cul-de-sac. At one point in the movie... <laughs> that took me a second. <laughs> right? Okay. At one point in the movie, Zach's character is asked to put on his pants twice. This is a nod to The Hangover, where Phil claims it is weird to have to ask him twice to put his pants on. After a week of enduring filming, deafening gunfire, and screeching tires, the cast and crew moved on to the Scorpion Villains Posh Hotel Penthouse, which was a high, um, a high Hyatt... Hotel in downtown Atlanta, that was a mouthful, in Georgia. The interiors of the hotel penthouse were built on stages in Atlanta's Grant Park neighborhood in a complex of buildings that once housed an ice cream distributor. The climactic shootout in the Scorpion's penthouse is reminiscent of a similar hotel suite shootout scene in the movie True Romance from 1993 in the way that the main characters are unarmed bystanders and the air is filled with feathers. The Atlanta... Hyatt Hotel rooftop pool in Atlanta, Georgia, served as a key location for the movie, with all of the film's four leads jumping into it as the penthouse erupts in fire and flames. According to the website Cinema Blend, actors John Hamm and Zach Galifianakis are actually old friends. The home brew shop scenes were filmed at the Red Brick Brewing Company, the oldest craft brewery in Georgia. The Wilhelm scream can be heard when Natalie Jones shoots the front spoke of one of the motorcycles chasing them. Did you notice it? I noticed it right away. I didn't actually. Really? I read like I was researching this and I was like, oh, we've, we've spoke about this on the pod before. We talked about it. Yeah. Yeah. George so Lucas cool. famous for using the Wilhelm scream in a lot of his stuff. But yeah, it's like been used a hundred, hundreds of times. 
Care was given to find the perfect houses for the Gaffneys and the Joneses, one of which would ultimately be blown to bits, spewing remnants everywhere. Jeremy Woolsey uh, said it was it certainly woke up the neighborhood. <laughs> Greg Modela, I hope I'm saying that OK. The movie's director credits stunts coordinator and second unit director Steve Ritzy with staging the action for maximum impact and thrills. But he and the cast give special shout outs uh, to actor John Hamm, who did much of the driving himself. Hamm is modest about this contribution uh, to the scene, noting that he Um, He prepared for it by driving around an empty parking lot for hours to get used to the car and its moves. Having that extra time behind the wheel really helped him improve. The key was not uh, was to not just make it fun, but to also make it safe is what he said. One of Jeff's deleted emails in the movie has to do with penis enlargement. (laughs) Several of the chase scenes look familiar because they were also used in the TV show The Walking Dead. You're kidding. The director largely eschewed green sh- green screen and CGI in favor of what he calls a you-are-there feel with an old-school action vibe to it. He enjoyed creating the scene so much that he notes he had to be careful not to spend too much time on it, but I, he goes on to say, but I felt that if we were going to do one major action set piece, let's do it right. It was a lot of fun. This was the first cinema movie directed by Greg uh, Marola in around five years, with his last theatrical feature film being Paul in 2011. I've never seen that one. Oh, Paul's so good. Oh, really? The slogan of the MBI company reads Global Order Through Superior Technology. The name of the company Jeff works for is MBI, is IBM spelled backwards. IBM, of course, is International Business uh, Machines Corporation, and it's a well-known technology company. Two minutes elapse between the moment Natalie says you have 90 seconds and Jeff loses his temper. This is one of two spy movies, both released in 2016, starring actress Gal Gadot. The first was the espionage thriller Criminal. And of course, we know what the second was. It was this one. The film was made and released about three years after the similarly titled film Keeping Up with the Joneses, the movie from 2013. Both pictures are comedies, but they're unrelated. The moving truck at the beginning of the movie is from the Bannerman Brothers. Bannerman is the name of a contract assassin in a series of books by John R. Maxim. Production filmed at the Sani America Inc., a tractor factory that doubles as Jeff Jeff's place of employment, a fictional military industrial corporation specializing in defense contracts encompassing satellites, missile technology, radar, telecommunication systems. In other words, it was a perfect setup for villains and espionage and all that spy stuff. When Jeff and Karen break into the Joneses' house and find out Jeff's personal breakdown on their laptop, Jeff's date of birth is shown to be October 1st, 1969, which is Galifranakis' actual birthday. In the trailer, there's a scene in which Jeff calls for help from the microphone in his tie. That particular scene is not shown in the movie. (laughs) Gadgets featured in the film included a black Mercedes driverless car, a bugging device hidden inside a a small glass ornament, an anesthetic dart pen a chef's cooking torch various computer hardware and software a necktie with a microphone and a pair of high-heeled shoes equipped with a tracking device i think they could have gone bigger (laughs) honorable mentions i think i i go along with what you said earlier Devin. that 
Gal Gadot and John Hamm were fantastic in this movie. Oh, totally. For an action rom-com. I thought they did a fantastic job. I would actually like to see them do another film together. It could be another action rom-com. It could be just an action, but I would really like to see them together. I think John Hamm is such a great actor. I I really enjoy watching him and his commercials for those food things are so funny. Which food things? Like the, it's like Uber Eats, but like. That's that's Canadian only, by the way. Oh, it's okay, like never skip mind. the dishes. Okay, never mind. And he's, uh, he's like, ooh, like I love poutine, you know? So he's, yeah, by the way, you know what I find really funny? <laughs> and we, we can talk about this okay. because, you know, obviously we have listeners internationally. We have a ton of listeners in the United States and here in Canada yeah. as well. Um, I find it really funny mm-hmm. what actors and actresses are big in other countries for. Oh, yeah. Like, for example, there's a song with Justin Bieber and an artist named The Kid Leroy uh, called Stay. Okay. The yes, Kid Leroy, yes. by the way, is currently launching Mick, uh, like crispy chickens from McDonald's in Australia. <laughs> oh. So like I, I was unaware of this, but I was reading an article how it's like, yeah, like he is the promotional sponsorship guy for like, really? he's the crispy chicken guy That's hilarious. in Australia. Let me tell you about the new McCrispy, the serious chicken burger from Macca's. They reckon it's going to be the next big thing. But how do you know when you've made it big? It's starts with everyone knowing your name. Hey, Kid Leroy. Is that a crispy? And fun fact, everybody, <laughs> John Hamm was the Canadian version of Uber Eats. Right. Here in Canada. Yes. He was skip like, the dishes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Skip the dishes, yeah. which was like he was wearing like hockey jerseys and shit. And, he and was like totally, making, yeah, making really funny Canadian jokes. Yeah, just making Canadian jokes. Oh, uh, Lamorne Morris from New Girl yes. is like the banking guy here oh, in Canada. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He does BMO. an obscene amount of Bank of Montreal commercials. <laughs> yes. And it's like he's just... So you get all your investment advice over the phone? That's just me. See Jerry over there? He does everything online. Everything. Okay. But which way is best? The question is, which way is best for you? With BMO, you can get personalized advice online, in person, and over the phone with an advisor. I like that. Exactly. Because confidence is always a good look. So I'm thinking frosted tips? Oh, that's good. Tips from her, advice from BMO. You're like, oh, there's Lamorne Morris, famous for banks. And new girl, <laughs> like what? And the rom com we did, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, that, and that one rom com, that's his thing. But like, if you're wondering what happened to Lamorne Morris after New Girl here in Canada, he's just making bank money. I baby. see him all the time. I see him. Call, I saw a TikTok ad yeah, of him the other yeah, day. Yeah. Like he's crushing yeah. the the B, the BMO money. Yeah, good anyway, for him. Um, yeah, that's all to say, I completely agree with you. It's funny in your quick facts you talked about how this movie was maybe a spiritual spinoff of Mr. and Miss Smith. Right. That was kind of the vibe. And I do agree because I'm like, Zach and Isla, once again, I'll say it, they're schmucks, but John Hamm and Gal Gadot, I could see, like, they were really good spies yeah. in the same way Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie, like, mm. I believed it. Yeah. Like, these guys are friggin' spies. They're good at what they do. I, I'm bought in on this is who they are. So, Honorable mention for sure. And I think I should. This is funny because like it's almost directly. But I, but I think you're supposed to be annoyed with Zach's character. Yeah. You know, and so I have totally. to say he did a good job because I was annoyed. <laughs> like I was Successfully like, dude, annoyed with you. you know, like at the end of the movie, I was like, OK, like, let's end this. Yeah. You are just too much for me. But he did a good job because that's what the character called for. What should have been Okay, before you dive into your probably very good what should have been, my what should have been is like, 
Karen should have continued with this life of espionage because she has a knack for it. Yeah. Throughout the movie. I feel like they don't follow through with it enough. Keep going though. But I think they could have. They should have. Yeah, sure. I sure. think and 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 like have this like big secret that she has to keep from Jeff. I think that's hilarious. Okay. Or maybe not even keeping a secret, but like he's just so out to lunch that he might not even realize that she is a spy. Could be. Could be. Here's here's my what should have been. Okay. The ending of this film should have been. <laughs> it turns out the scorpion was just the middleman. There's someone higher up who oh. may now be after you. Oh. Gaffney's. Okay. I forgot his name. Tim Gaffney. No, no, Jeff. Jeff. God, I told he's so you. forgettable, I'm man. I'm telling you. Gaffney's. Hey, there's somebody who may be after you. Okay, so I like it. We, we get a, we get a, that, that somebody from like the CIA or whatever <laughs> tells them that. Yeah. We get a one year jump into the future. All right. The Gaffney's are now named the Robinsons. They live in a random <laughs> suburb in America. <laughs> Jeff has actually opened his own micro brewery. Karen oh has God. moved from design to event planning. Oh, All like is right that. in the world. They're both very happy and fulfilled in their new lives. They have more sexual chemistry because we know that that was a thing throughout the movie. It was kind of weird. Yeah. Um, and then, oh, suddenly some neighbors moved in next oh. door. Who is it? It's Tim and Natalie Jones. They wanted to get out of the spy game, and they actually requested of whatever agency they worked for, hey, wherever you put the, the yeah. Daphne's, we would love to just get new identities and go Live into that lives. community. Tim can do his travel thing. Um, uh, Natalie's going to find her way in something else. But but And then you get like Jeff, Karen, Natalie, Tim all being friends with these new ideas. I'm thinking, remember the end of We're the Millers? How they're all in like this yes. new neighborhood, new identities together. I like that. Yeah. Because I feel like there were so many like, Jeff has this brewing fat passion. He in has a closet. hobby for yeah. it. And yeah. we just did do nothing with it. And Tim's like, I want to be a travel writer. And we right. freaking do nothing with it. Like, yeah. oh, fun fact. He like, I'm, he wants out of the game, yeah. but then like nothing happens. He's still in the game a and year later. And still in the game. So it's like, well, why did we even try to do that arc if we're not going to follow through on it? Yeah, there were a few things that they just could have done or could have taken a little bit further, um, and they didn't. 100%. Otherwise, this movie was very entertaining. Now, overall rewatchability. I've got chemistry at 2.5, and all of that 2.5 is just John Hamm and Gal Gadot. <laughs> Zach and Isla, I've got nothing for them. Uh, Storyline, a 3.5. It was fun. It was compelling. Thirst Factor, a 4.8. Absolutely. Some gorgeous humans in this. Uh, Imagination, a 3.1. It is kind of a spy thriller action. that, Like, we've, we've seen this done before. Specifically, Killers, Mr. and Miss Smith. Off the top of my head, very similar. Um, soundtrack, a 3.25. Cheese. Okay. There was cheese in this movie. And I did not appreciate the cheese. It, there was some bad cheese here. I've got a 1.8 for my cheese, which brings my overall score of 3.15 out of 5, which is like th there are certain films that I would like to say are great airplane movies where or great just like I don't want to think too much. I want to be mildly entertained. And if my husband or significant other or somebody is near me and is like, oh, what's this? It's like you don't really need to. You could come into this movie and f like 40 minutes in and be like, what's happening? 
You'd be like, those guys are spies. Those two are idiots. He works for a company. That's all you need to know. Okay, cool. I mean, I, I got, I get it. There's not a whole lot that you need to know walking into this, and even less midway through the movie. You can pop into this midway through and be like, oh yeah, entertaining car chase, great. Um, so yeah, overall score of three point one five out of five. Okay, my rewatchability is as follows: chemistry three point nine. Storyline 2, Thirst Factor 4.75, Imagination 2, because they've done this before. Yeah. These movies have been done. Totally. Soundtrack 3, Cheese 2, for an overall score of 2.94 out of 5. This has been the Rom-Com Rewind of Keeping Up with the Joneses. Wherever you're listening, make sure you throw us a follow. It helps more people find us, and it helps you be reminded of when we've got new episodes coming out. And like I said, the best way you can help the pod, one, is listening. So thank you for getting to the end. But two, throw us a follow on Instagram. If you got this far into the pod, you probably like us enough to follow us at Romcom Rewind. Thanks for listening.